Wouldn't it be interesting to know exactly the prophet, peace be upon him's attitude, perception, opinion on mental health? Well, the cool thing is we have that. So alhamdulillah, inshallah, bismillah ta'ala. We're going to be sharing that with you today in the podcast. But over the past two months, we've been covering like mental health and anxiety and overwhelm and depression and just all types of things. You guys have been reaching out to us from the thousands and thousands and we've gotten your DMs and what you've wanted and we've been covering it. But today's the last episode of that so I want you to really, really pay attention. If you missed any previous episodes, go on back. But from here on, we're gonna cover a new topic. But from now, let's get into it. The Prophet, peace be upon him's approach to mental health. Hello, Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the Mindful Muslim Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Mindful Muslim, coming to you each week on topics that you love, like love, marriage, emotions, um, overwhelm, scheduling, life balance, tons of stuff. Let's get into it that the Muslim community fiends for the answers for. And ironically enough, as you guys might have heard in a previous podcast, I think I mentioned it, I've been having a lot of guys follow me, which really trips me up a little bit because we deal with uh, things for Muslim women. But the truth is a lot of what we talk about here in the podcast, in Instagram, on YouTube, and in a lot of the classes and courses I give, they do cross over to guys. And to be fair, um, honestly, anybody could listen to any of what I do and apply it to a male or a female. However, I know I do put a bit of a spin on it for our females because I do know that we have a particular opinion sometimes or a take on it and you know it is what it is but alhamdulillah I'm so good to have the whole community here as much as we do and just wanted to say before I get started because it is a pretty pretty big deal um, today is the last day the last 24 hours a lot of you guys are DMing me a lot of you are damning me. I cannot get back to you. I'm trying. You're keeping my little fingers like they're smoking, trying to answer you back on DMs and Instagram. So what I did was I actually made on my stories um, answers to some of the most popular questions people are asking me because today's the last 24 hours to get 50% off of all the courses that we have. A lot of times you guys hear about me talking about like solutions on here for marriage and emotions and stuff. And we have never done just a full-on 50% off everything, but it ends today. So if you are somebody who wanted to get the Muslim Marriage Lab, the Emotions Mastery, the Marriage Boost, whatever we have going on, pause right here and click the link below or go to www.mindful-muslimah.com because you know how the world is we will move on to something else and forget. So didn't want you to miss that. For those of you who are asking me, this is it. Ends today. So alhamdulillah, the last other thing is a lot of you guys know, and I'm really excited to meet with you. A lot of you are going to meet with me on December 3rd in person in New York City, Brooklyn particularly, right? For the first ever in-person marriage class. If you're looking for a spouse, if you're a guy or a girl, um, I am in there and I'm going to be teaching you all the stuff related to red flags and just how to pick the right person and avoid the wrong one generally. So excited for that. There's registration for that. Um, you could do it at, I believe, sorry, I had to reach out and get my paper here, www.muslimmarriageworkshop.com. Muslim Marriage Workshop. 
Com. It's not It's not really a workshop. It's really a masterclass full on, but um, you guys get the gist. And so just want to let you know those two huge announcements before I get started into mental health, the approach of the prophet, peace be upon him. Um, we all know that we have so many questions we want answered. And a lot of the resources I just mentioned are just everything I know together in like like especially with the courses together in one shot. So I told someone the other day, most of what I do is trying to make you guys do it faster and easier because I suffered a lot. And so knowing that from like a big sister perspective where somebody else can tell you what to do and not to do so you don't have to make those mistakes, I I always wish somebody did that for me. So happy to share those with you guys. All right, let's go straight into the um, podcast. Today we're gonna be talking about the prophet, peace be upon him. We're just gonna give some examples of the prophets themselves um, in general, um, you know, mostly focusing on the prophet, peace be upon him. And just, you know, they were not immune to mental health difficulties. The prophets were the best of creation, obviously, but they were human. And I think sometimes we make them superhuman. And we think like, oh, you know, because Allah chose them, they didn't get sad or, or they got sad. It was just for like two seconds. They don't know what I've gone through. They've never had to experience that. I can't compare myself to the stories in the Quran. And that, that's just not true. And there are many examples where the prophet, peace be upon him, you know, experienced intense sadness. One of them, as we all know, it's really famous, right, is the year of grief, you know, when his wife Khadija and his uncle Abu Talib, um, you know, they passed away. And his grief was so intense that the that the historians called it the year of sadness, right? Amal al-Hazan. So earlier um, that same year, there was a social and economic boycott. So then there wasn't just the stress of like the loss of someone. It's the social stress. People are just coming after him, threatening him, killing him. There's the economic stress. The amount of stress on the prophet that we don't really highlight, we just, you know, think it's just part of the story. It's really intense for any human being. Okay. And so subhanAllah, let's just look for a second and how the Prophet, peace be upon him, encouraged us to deal with our mental health. And, you know, the Prophet, peace be upon him, helped us to kind of have this healthy attitude about coping with illness and disease. And, and a perfect example is where he taught the companions that suffering could actually be a blessing, right? And he says that, you know, and whoever um, Allah, intend, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good, he actually sends them affliction, that betters them. And a lot of us, we can't really see that. We're like, yeah, okay, that sounds very nice on paper, but I, I'm i suffering over here. But here's the thing. How many times have you had something really bad happen to you and then you got past it and you learned something from it? Or how many times have you thought it was the end of the world and then you got past it and then you realized, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kind of helped me out here. I'm going to give you a perfect example I, when I was younger, I think I might have told this story only once. I was pregnant with my first child. I was 19 when I got married, okay? So I'm pregnant there at my first baby. It was totally by my choice, like I wanted to be married. And I'm there and I was driving down a really, really stormy, snowy day on the highway. I was with my cousin. They were on the right side. And we had their child who was just like three years old in the back seat. I was pregnant, like I said, about six, seven months. And subhanAllah, um... You know, we were driving and we had just dropped off the child, alhamdulillah, when all of a sudden I went to make a left turn across the highway and somebody was flying. And I think I didn't gauge that they were flying in the snow, which was really, really dangerous. I probably wouldn't have turned because I, I know how far away they were. They had enough time to like let me turn, right? So 
Anyway, I get T-boned. And if you know what T-boning is, it's the worst ever. It's subhanAllah, alhamdulillah. It's like the car is going straight ahead and you get hit on the side head on. Now, I wasn't there on the side. My cousin was who got hurt very badly. The car literally accordioned in half. You know when you have the the front person in the passenger seat and they got squished together so it was no longer a middle console. It was just gone, wiped out. But the worst part was the majority of the hit was in the back seat. Now, at the time, the two of us were so jarred. I've never spun in 360s in a car at top speed, which is exactly what happened. We had just gotten hot chocolates and so they were flying. I just remember seeing hot chocolate flying all around the ceiling as I'm spinning. And when your head spins that fast, you cannot recall. So I remember finally the car stopped spinning and I and I was going, oh my gosh, I don't want to look back. Is the baby hurt? But alhamdulillah, we, we both had kind of been jarred and forgot that we had just dropped off the toddler. I no longer had a back seat of my car. Alhamdulillah. And, you know, I was, subhanAllah, jarred. And then like when I came out, you know, the cops finally came and everybody went to take care of us. And they were like, you need to go to the hospital. You're pregnant. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm totally fine. And they're like, no, 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 you're pregnant. And I didn't know back in the day because I was young and, you know, that that could induce pregnancy. So alhamdulillah, I listened to the whatever, the EMT guy and the cops. And I said, okay, I'll go, but I'm sure it's going to be fine. And I got there and it turns out, lo and behold, my my labor, excuse me, not doesn't induce pregnancy, induces labor. And my labor had begun. And so I had started to have the baby at six months premature. SubhanAllah. And you know, they have those crazy things where they just give you an injection and they stop the labor. I, Allah could like, I'm like, SubhanAllah. So what, like blown away. But the thing is, when I was in the hospital, they alerted to me to something that was wrong that I would never have gone to the hospital for that could have really hurt my baby long-term, alhamdulillah. So the truth is, that story wasn't just hard for me because it was an accident. I got my car totaled. But I also didn't tell you that I was extremely poor at the time. We were newly married. We had nothing. Getting your car totally totaled when you have to go to work um, is really bad, especially when you're pregnant and things are difficult as they are. And so when I say stress upon stress, I had it. But if I was really honest about it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me rahmah. He let me end up not Nothing happened to my baby. Okay, it's horrible that my car got totaled, but nothing happened to my baby. Nothing. My cousin's fine. That the the my cousin's baby was fine. That we had just dropped off the toddler, and alhamdulillah, I was able to find out from the hospital there was actually something wrong that I needed to know, and my pregnancy or could have harmed my baby. So sometimes in the moment, you could be like, woe is me, you know, this thing is happening. It has put a big wrench in my plan of life. But at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And then I'll give you one even better. Um, If I had continued driving down the road, it turned out there was a huge accident at the same time as mine with a huge, I don't know what you call those, like those Mac, my mom used to call them Mac 10s, um, like the really big long trailers and a car. And that person didn't survive. Do you get me? That could have been us. Same time. It was a really bad storm. So sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a lesser drama to save you from the more extreme traumatic one. And sometimes he does it because he needs to catch your attention to save you like he did for me. I mean, I got both of them in one shot. But alhamdulillah, Allah is most merciful and his plan is always on time.
And it's like an arrow that doesn't miss. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he said, how wonderful is the case of the believer. It is always good for him in everything. Everything that happens for them is good for them. That if prosperity attends to him and he expresses gratitude to Allah, it's good. And if adversity befalls him and he endures it patiently, it's good. So alhamdulillah, either way, but we tend to overreact or react instead of respond. And therefore we can't see the khair, we can't see the good. And you know, he taught us the importance of embracing and acknowledging our emotions as well. A lot of us are going through things and we will not recognize them because we're like, nah, I can't do it. I got to push on. I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have, you know, space for this in my life. But if we only knew how much time and energy we're wasting, not fixing not addressing our emotions, that we make actually everything else harder. I want you to imagine a day, which I'm sure many of you guys have had, where you wake up and you feel horrible. And then everything everyone says kind of irritates you. And then you get into some fights with some people because you're irritated and you don't feel happy or you're depressed or whatever. And then you just go about your day and the day feels horrible. And maybe something really bad happens between you and another person. Now you and that person aren't talking. Now you already had stress and now you have another stress of dealing with this situation with this person. And then this at work and this and this and this. And you can feel it mounting. Well, that all happened because there was zero acknowledgement of the emotion at the beginning of the day. There was zero acknowledgement that you're going through something right now, period. And so, alhamdulillah, what it's doing is it's just ricocheting. It's just like, you ever saw a rock when you throw it in the water? And it just goes... That's what's happening when you don't deal with whatever you're dealing with, when I don't. That's why a lot of what I was doing with all this mentioning of the courses and stuff that I do, the emotions, especially in the past month, a lot of it was really surrounding around people becoming aware. People saying, okay, like enough is enough. I need to do, take care of me. Same thing with the self-love workshop. I need to like make myself strong. And shout out to the women who are in that, right? And a lot of you are in the emotions course and I'm already starting with you in there. So very excited to get that extra work done. Those women committed to themselves. The majority of us, we don't. We just keep inshallahing it. And we're, we're going to be the ones that don't do as well as those who do address it. So the Prophet encouraged us to embrace and acknowledge our emotions and managing the narratives that we tell ourselves in our own heads when something difficult happens. And you see, this is the world, uh, this, these are the words that he had in his own story. When his tears were flowing from his cheeks, he was holding his son Ibrahim, taking his last breaths. We forget sometimes that the Prophet Muhammad lost a lot of children. He buried children. A parent who loses one child sometimes cannot recover. What if multitudes of children you have to bury? SubhanAllah. Alhamdulillah. You know? And he, he said to him something in his passing. And he acknowledged his sadness. And he spoke about it but also highlighted the importance of being careful with our words when we're sad, we're upset, when we focus on coming to terms with reality and accepting what's in front of us. It allows us to heal. See, the majority of us want to heal, but we don't because we're not acknowledging it, coming to terms, accepting it. And you know what? Some of us just don't know how, and I get it, but that's why we teach it. And at the end of the day, he was doing that. He was modeling for us how to do it. I know people feel like these things are locked away in the Quran. I can't understand it, interpret it. It's really not that hard when you sit and break it down. A lot of times when we break things down for women and we teach them at Mindfulness Way, it's really just meant to give them 
the step-by-step, but these are things that we need to know. These are survival skills. And you know, the Prophet also taught us how to regulate our emotions. He taught us, he taught the companions and gave them practical advice. There were like situation-specific advice. If they were angry, if they were standing, they should sit. If they were sitting, they should lay down. Like that stuff is very real in psychology today. You're supposed to change your space, change your position, you know, go outside, get some fresh air. Many, many people in science talk about the beautiful effects of these things. He talked about it back then, just basic things that we can do. And, you know, his companion, Abu Dada, decided to commit his entire life um, to to worship and studying of these things. And Salman al-Farsi, he said to him, your Lord has a right upon you and yourself has a right upon you and your family has a right upon you. Give each other rights. And when the news reached the Prophet, peace be upon him, about this, he said, Salman has spoken the truth. But what Salman was really doing, right? What he really was doing was repeating what he had heard from the Prophet, peace be upon him, who taught the companions the importance of this type of holistic living, this wholehearted living. And, you know, most of the things, I'm going to be very frank right here, and some people might like this approach that I'm saying or not, but this is really, really a da'a I say on a regular basis. I always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help me fulfill the rights of others. I never ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for my rights, even if I feel I'm harmed. And some people might say, oh, you know, that's crazy. You know, people, you know, you deserve your rights. You give them their rights and they should give you yours. Yes. But here's the deal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to judge me alone. He doesn't judge me on the rights people gave me or not. Those people he deals with separately. So this is my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I ask him to help me give everybody their rights, my kids, my husband, all the people out there that, like you, that are listening right now. Like if I have promised to share something with you, may it be the best of ways or whatever, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help me to fulfill the rights to everyone. Because that way when I when I pass away, you know, whenever that is, Allah kareem, then I, I can say I, I made that effort and I ask Allah for help with that effort and he knows. And maybe he made that easy for me. And we're judged on what we do to other people. So, yes, you can make da'a for Allah to protect you from other people if you're oppressed and many other things. But please don't forget to make sure you're giving other people their rights. And the Prophet talked about this. And he talked about not to bear the brunt of suffering in silence and seeking out the, the cures for illnesses, especially psychological ones. And to seek out the cures, O servants of Allah, seek out cures for Allah has placed in every illness a cure, except for old age and death, obviously. Um, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And, and they used to use herbal medicines and healing. And, you know, SubhanAllah, what we know about the Prophet, peace be upon him, is that he was constantly telling us to look within, to look within, and to share and to talk. And, you know, people back in the day, women used to go to the Prophet and, and complain about issues that they had, stress in their marriage. Be like, oh, haram, I can't go talk to a sheikh. I can't go talk to imam. You know, my husband won't like that. You know, at the end of the day, husbands, wives, you're supposed to try to make your marriage work out to the best of your ability. If you have gone to each other and you've said, you know, like try to work it out and you can't work it out. If at that point you have to go for external help to save the marriage with the intention to save the marriage, you have a right as an adult to do that. You have a right for help. People call me for consultations all the time. People say, oh, you know, what do you do consultation calls for? I do them for everything. It's nasiha. It's nasiha. That's just like a guided advice. Like you wish you had a, a friend who's been there before, done that before, who would let you know a little something on your situation, right? I have people that I go to for that. We're a community. We're supposed to seek out. We're not supposed to suffer in silence. 
Now we can either talk to somebody and share a problem or we can learn how to heal. There's many ways and that's what I taught. I, I ended up self-healing and that's what I teach with people because a lot of people aren't comfortable in our community to go outside. And I get it. They don't want to go to therapy. They don't want to do anything. Like, I get it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things. I'm just saying if you feel you're not ready, you, you can't do that yet, we're kind of like the step before that. Like if could you heal yourself prior and those who need that extra stuff, you know, they, they need that extra stuff. But the majority of people can self-heal on their own much more than they think, much more than they think, alhamdulillah. But overall, the prophet used to focus on this special type of healing, even in prayer. A lot of times he would go into the prayer and that's why he made additional prayers. It wasn't just because it's a whole bunch of rules about all these prayers you have to do. The prayer brings this beautiful calmness if you actually let yourself go into it. Most of us don't. Most of us struggle with Hoshua. I get it. But if we learned once again, knowledge is power. Knowledge is going to do everything for you. If we learned how to find more Hoshua, and we have podcasts on this, you can go back, right? Then you can learn how to find peace in that too. You know, overall, I want you to know that Muslims back in the day, from our prophets, from the Sahaba, they were pioneers of mental health. We don't make the connection and use these terms, but that's what they're doing. And it's, it's in the stories and it's in the history. And the prophet, peace be upon him, was very big on awareness and acknowledgement. So in summary, what we learned about today is that mental health is not a shameful thing. It's something that the prophet spoke about openly. It's something that he um, went through himself, all different types of sadness. And he gave us the remedies for many of them. And it's something we're supposed to follow in his sunnah, right? So if we want to be good Muslims, it means talking to someone. It means looking for those answers. It means learning what to do. These are not shameful things. Unfortunately, in our cultures, we're taught that they are. You know, something's wrong with you. You're crazy. You need help. That's, you know, oh my gosh, look at you. But this is from a bid'ah. This is not from our sunnah. Our sunnah is that we're supposed to have self-awareness. Allah even talks about in the Quran multiple times about how we should be aware of how we are and how we should strive for this and this and this. And at the end of the day, it's for our benefit. And I think we all know that. So just just breaking that that stereotype of that. And alhamdulillah, hope you guys enjoyed. Last last reminder, if you um, haven't signed up and you're going to be in New York City, December 3rd and the 17th, we're going to have the marriage class and the um, matrimonial meetup to actually meet a spouse. And lastly, last 24 hours, if you do want to take advantage of anything that we teach at Mindful Muslima to get half off of everything, www.mindful-muslimah. M-U-S-L-I-M-A-H dot com. All right. Look forward to seeing you guys inside the courses. I'll talk to you next time. Assalamu alaikum.